You are listening to Pastor Mike Greiner of Harvest Community Church in Catanning, Pennsylvania. We pray that you will be challenged today as you listen to a sermon entitled, Clean Hands, Dirty Heart, recorded on Sunday, August 20th, 2017. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org. Let's join Pastor Mike as he preaches. Well, hello everybody. We're going to start in Mark chapter 7. We're going to skip to Mark 7. Um, If you were hoping to find out what happened in Mark 6, you're going to have to read that yourself. We're going all the way to Mark chapter 7, verse 14, and that's where we're going to begin. But before I get there, I want to uh, tell you a little bit about last weekend. Not too much, but a little bit. I know that at uh, PVC, there was an outreach towards the rodeo, and that's a good thing. Um, I wish the rodeo wasn't at the same time as the Great Dayton Fair, but it happens to be. But at the Great Dayton Fair on uh, Monday night, Monday night, um, David Crowder and his band were there, and, and that was the big draw, right? And I think they pulled in about 4,000 people. And, and so that, that was a big night for the fair. But here's the part I want to tell you about is um, we had the honor of serving all over that concert. Our Crave um, students were the roadies for David Crowder, uh, literally packing and unpacking crates for them, as well as for our band, which our worship band. And when I say our, that really isn't true because we have four worship teams. um, But even then, um, the people on the stage, they don't even come close to representing all the musicians and singers we have. And and when you see... um, our, our band leading, a harvest band leading, a conglomerate harvest band, um, you just realize how much talent we have, um, and, and it was just a privilege to be a part of that, that night. Um, so here's what I, I saw on that beautiful night, was I saw that, that, that our church got to fulfill their mission to increase the health and size of God's church everywhere, because you had mostly a Christian audience, not all, all just like church, um, and and our band was leading them in worship of the Creator. Our band was leading them in songs about, about Jesus, but also preaching the gospel uh, in between songs. And, and the people were, were blessed, and, and it was good. And then after that, um, uh, I got to get up and give a prayer. And, of course, I had to put the gospel into the prayer. Um, and then, then the, the, those Crowder guys came and did whatever they do. And that, that was fun, too. And then our guys, we had, we had Crave folks who stayed around uh, all the way to the end of the night to make sure everything got cleaned up. Um, one other thing that's not that important, but I do think I should mention it, is um, I was challenged. I was told by someone, he'd give me $5 if when I first met David Crowder, because there was a meet and greet in the back for our guys, um, if I would pet his beard, and um, he's got quite a beard, so I walked right up to him, and with my right hand, I did not reach for his hand, I reached for his beard, and I stroked that baby, (laughs) and I said, hey, I was told I'd get five dollars if I pet your beard, and he said, well, I'm happy to make you richer, so, (laughs) but I say it's because it's just such a blessing to think we, we got to be a part of leading worship for 4,000 people, and we don't deserve that. I mean, we're just other Christians, and it was just such an honor, and I think God blessed that, and I hope we have many more opportunities like that, big and small, from all our campuses. Um, 
and one of those coming up this coming weekend. Um, this is the one time a year where we bring all our campuses together in one place. Normally we have five services a weekend, Friday night in Catanning, two on Sunday morning in Catanning, one in Petrolia Valley, one in Indiana, and, and one in Freeport. Well, we're only going to have one service. Now, I need your help with this. Okay, God, first pray for son, <laughs> ask God for son. I think God blesses when, when he sees the, the joy. If you've never been to the outdoor service, please come. I realize those of you in Indiana, you got to drive 20 miles, and those in PVC, 20 miles, and those in Freeport, like 10 miles. That's not so far. Um, but but it, it's, it's worth your time, and um, so please come out. But also, if there's someone in, not in church right now, as you hear my voice, who's normally there, Please call them and remind him or her, don't be at the same bat place in the same bat time <laughs> next week. <laughs> um, uh, it's going to be a lot of work. That we even are having to cancel our Friday night service because our band has to get all their stuff out of here. And our, all these things mean volunteer. It means the church is being the church, right? We have sound people moving stuff, people volunteering to make this all happen so they're going to get started on Thursday, believe it or not. Um, but in all four campuses, uh, of course there'll be a notice on the door, but better still is if people come down to where we are. So this is a time to talk to anyone you've invited to church who hasn't come yet. You never know when the Holy Spirit wakes them up, and they may show up next week. So you want to even call and re-invite and say, hey, listen, you know I invited you to church? And they go, yeah. Well, don't come this weekend. Instead, come to the Riverfront Park in Catanning. And uh, we all want to be there. Be praying for this time that God blesses you and everybody else, that uh, he does a mighty work among us. We are going to have a baptism. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ and have yet to express that publicly in the way he mandated by going under the water and coming back up, um, this is your time. There's still time to get in on that baptism, and the baptisms are always great fun. So um, that's it. I'm just praising God for last weekend and looking forward to next weekend, and may God bless that, and may we glorify his name. Um, I also didn't get a chance to address to everybody last week, because it hadn't happened, this whole Charlottesville mess, and, and um, uh, listen... Um, and I knew this would happen. I knew this would happen. I uh, even got to say to the Sunday morning crowd in Catanning, um, this is going to be a crazy week because now everyone's going to get political and everyone's going to be pointing fingers at everybody and everyone's going to tell you who you're supposed to hate and who you're not supposed to hate. So let's just be as, as clear as we can. I don't care about your politics. I don't care about your favorite political person I don't care who comes out looking good, and neither should you. This is not the time to get on your social media and prove to everybody else that somebody's stupid. Why? Because nobody cares what you think on social media, except people who already think like you do. Instead, try real media, talk to people, and your social media, and try to tell them what Jesus thinks. And what Jesus thinks will be attractive to some and offensive to some because he's radical. He says this. This is, this is what you should think. <laughs> you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. 
well, that's not fair. They're stepping on my political toes. Okay, call it persecution and pray for them. So that you may be children of your Father who's in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and the good. He sends the, ra- the rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Therefore, you must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus' standard is, is, is better his way is better. So let's apply this very clearly. So there's no, no equivocation, no wondering. It is never okay to hate a white person for being white. It is never okay to hate a black person for being black. It is never okay to hate an Asian person for being Asian. It is never okay to hate any other varied colors that feels left out by that for being other colors that feel left out. It's never okay to hate a transsexual. It's never okay to hate a cisgendered heterosexual, whatever the heck that is. It's never okay. And to push it farther, you, if you're Jesus' people, are commanded to love every single human. This includes Kim Jong-un. As you pray, somebody will take his power away. You may not hate him. Jesus loves white supremacists. That's radical. Jesus loves everybody. He loves Nancy Pelosi. Why does that cause laughter? (laughs) He loves Donald Trump. That should cause laughter. He loves me. That should cause hysterious laughter. He loves you. To be, you are the salt of the world. If the salt loses its saltiness, it's good for nothing. This is not a time to sharpen your political... Nobody cares, really. Don't you see? You're just pawns. When you jump on and show everybody how good you are at discerning the real truth from the media, you're just a pawn in the latest blow-up. There'll be another one. Try saying radical things that Jesus would say. Try loving people. That's my stance. And that's the church's stance. And by the way, there is no other stance if you're a Christian. You're not allowed to not love an enemy. So they can hate you. But you're not going to hate them back, right? Right? Can I get a witness on that? All right. Well, I don't want to talk about that anymore. I think that shouldn't have to be talked about. I only talk about it because, you know, the president's religious council were all falling all over themselves to say, we're not white supremacists. It shouldn't have to be said. You should be so loving, no one would even guess. Such a silly thing. It's enough of that. (laughs) Now we're going to look at the Bible. Let's look at the Bible. Okay, the occasion for the teaching in our text, it, it, it takes a little setup here because I'm skipping the background story. All right, the background story here is that Jesus' boys were eating, and the Pharisees, who were the priests, were very upset because they weren't doing ritual washing and they were eating with dirty hands. Not dirty like, you know, your kid's playing with mud and then he goes for a banana and, you know, don't, ugh. 
No, it's they were clean. Well, we'll assume they're, they have normal good hygiene. But they weren't doing the ritual washings that the Pharisees had set up. These aren't in the Bible either. There are things about cleanliness in the Bible. But these Pharisees were so good at being religious, they made up their own rules. Extra rules. You know, you just got to have extra rules. Some people like churches like that. A lot of people have left Harvest because we're just not uptight enough for them. <laughs> like, man, I'm just not uptight enough here. I need to go be uptight somewhere else. That's fine. <laughs> Pharisee churches need to be there for uptight people, I guess. I don't know. Um, but, uh, and we love uptight people because we love everybody. And, and so the Pharisees would say, in order to be holy, you have to wash like we say. And they ran to Jesus. And Jesus said... Um, Get lost. Well, that's not what he said, but that's, that's pretty much what he said. Um, <laughs> but afterwards, that's where our text comes in. So he calls the crowd to him, because they all witness this confrontation, and that's where we jump in. You ready? Mark 7, verse 14. Jesus called the people to him again, and he said to them, Hear me, all of you, understand, there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. Go ahead and eat the dirty food, won't defile. Verse 16. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. I wish I didn't have to stop for this because it takes time out of my sermon, but I have to stop for this. If you're reading the ESV, you may notice that verse 16 isn't even there, right? Um, what's happened is the ancient Greek manuscripts, the pointy-headed people who tell us what was original, fight over that verse. So some, verse, some translations, like the New American Standard, will put it in brackets. Some will put it in parentheses. Some will put it in the margin. The ESV puts it in the margin. So if you had a paper Bible, it should be in your margin. And it says, if anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Um, The good news is it does nothing to change the meaning of the text, whether or not that was in the original writing or not. It's just a common phrase often used by Jesus. Um, So, verse 17. And when Jesus had entered the house and left the people, so he went to some house, we don't know whose, um, and and his disciples asked him to a more intimate setting. He just has his, his guys and gals and whoever's with him around him. His disciples asked him about the parable. You may say, what? What parable? <laughs> when he said, nothing going into him can defile him, what comes out, they're, they're trying to figure out what he's talking about. And, and I don't blame them at this point. It's not a strange thing to ask. If, if, you, <laughs> if you eat rotten food, doesn't that defile you? You suck in some marijuana smoke, doesn't that defile you? I mean, um, things can go in and defile you. Um, so they're trying to figure out, what are you talking about? And then, he, you know, he said, whatever goes out of the body is what defiles you. Well, if you're a disciple, you're thinking, is he talking? I'm not going to get into any disgusting detail, but just think about the sort of things that come out of bodies. I'll, I'll give you one sweat, and you can figure out all the others, all right? And, and really, think about it. If you don't... Jesus, are you talking about the things that come out of our body and make us defiled? I mean, they're trying to get at at the heart of this. Um, Verse 18, he said to them, then are you also without understanding? It's rough being a disciple of Jesus. He's like, don't you get it? They're like, oh, I shouldn't have asked. 
She'd always get Thomas to ask or somebody else to ask. Do you not see that whatever goes into the person from the outside can't defile him since it enters not his heart? That's the key phrase. It doesn't enter his heart. Heart, you could use the word here, soul. The Bible uses heart. It does not mean the thing thumping in your chest. It doesn't mean anything physical at all. It means who you really are, your soul. It doesn't enter his heart. It enters his stomach and is expelled. Thus he declared all foods clean, the writer says. That's for another sermon. Verse 20. And he said, what comes out of the person defiles him. For from within, out of the heart, not the stomach, not the sweat glands, of man comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. This is quite a list. All these things come from within. They defile a person. So Jesus made it plain. This is what he's saying. They're all uptight about washing hands before you eat. Jesus says, I'm uptight about what comes out of your heart. So, six truths about the souls of all men revealed in, and I'd add this phrase, or related to this passage. They're not all revealed in this passage. um, But they're related to, so I'm going to deal with them from a biblical point of view. Six truths about the souls of all people, right? I'm using men in the generic sense for men and women. Because I am a Neanderthal. Revealed in or related to this passage. So when I say men, I mean men and women. One. Man has a soul. Man has a soul. Food goes in and out without making one dirty. Why doesn't it make you dirty? Because he's not talking about your body. It can make your body dirty. It can defile your body. He ain't talking about your body. He's talking about your heart, who you are, your soul. The postmodern philosophy that undergirds all the thinking of our world discounts the soul. You don't have a soul. Or if they, if they don't, they, they, they connect it to a neurological functioning of your brain. I was just reading all these articles, people trying to tell us neurologically what happens when people have an out-of-body experience. You know, how it is neurologically, what's happening in their brain that they can see people in the waiting room and all this. I'm like, you really are skeptical. (laughs) You're looking for a neurological answer. How you can see mom praying in the hospital chapel while you're dead. But hey, that's how they are. They don't believe there's a soul. They don't believe in, in, in the metaphysical as it's called. On the other hand, this is what Jesus says. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? He doesn't only believe in a soul. He says it's more valuable than everything that's physical. All matter is worth something. None of it is as worth your soul. What shall a man give in return for his soul? So Jesus separates the physical world that you live in from the soul that you have. Simply by the way he words that. It's not what goes into your stomach because it doesn't touch your heart. It doesn't touch your soul. Second, The soul cannot be cleansed by religious rituals that center on the body. If you could have a clean soul by washing your hands like the Pharisees said, then I think Jesus would have said, hey, he's right. Put the food down and do your ritual washings. 
Because your soul matters. The Pharisees think that holiness of the soul can be attained by physical rituals. Not so. But this, my friends, this is the most, what the, you, before you judge the Pharisees, you believe this, or you did believe this, or you do believe this on the some level, just like they did and do. Because all humans have it in their computer to think you can manipulate the spiritual with the physical. That's, by the way, called animism. That's the official name for it, animism. Being able to manipulate the spiritual realm through the physical. And, and, and you may not believe me that you ever had any animism in you, but you do. Animism is not only for tribal peoples. You know, the, the, the evil demons are in the trees or in the river and you have to do certain blood sacrifices to make the rain and you know they're, they're trying to if you do a rain dance the rain comes down it's tribal understanding I manipulate the physical and, 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 and the spirits will work for me but it's also for athletes did you guys know that Michael Jordan always wore his University of North Carolina shorts under his Chicago Bulls clothing do you know that good luck they say, some say, that that's what started the larger... Because remember, if you remember, if you're my age, you remember basketball shorts of the early 80s. Where they were short shorts. You know, you could see those guys' legs and everything. And Some say that Michael Jordan started getting bigger shorts, so everyone went that way. Well, he had his UNC shorts on. If he didn't have those, they wouldn't win. Athletes are great for this. Did you know Serena, <laughs> the great tennis star, um, always wears the same exact pair of socks for a tournament? Now, she doesn't wear the same socks every tournament. But tournaments can sometimes take days. If you win, and Serena Williams wins them all. So she will pull open a pair of socks, and she'll wear only those socks. Because if I don't wear these socks, I'll lose. She's manipulating the spiritual realm through her socks. And I know she ain't crazy. There are people who've got to be sitting on their couch with their Steelers shirt on, their special lucky Steelers shirt on, Right? It, it doesn't work. The one time I didn't do it, they lost. Ordinary people knock on wood. Don't say that, you're going to jinx them. Don't say that. There's nothing worse when you're watching a football game and your team is down to the end and your guy's going to kick a field goal to, to win the game and somebody in the room says, you know, he hasn't missed in 35 chances. You're like, shut up, you jinxed him. There's people who they spill salt. What do you do? Throw it over your left shoulder. Why? Well, I don't know. Black cat goes in front of you. It's a bad omen. It's not true. You know, one cool thing is um, Kurt Warner, the quarterback, Kurt Warner, chose the number 13 because he wanted to show as a Christian that this was all bunk. And he won the Super Bowl wearing number 13. And then he died. No, just kidding. He didn't die. But Christians even put this into, we put it into our religion, right? The religion of my birth, you walk into church, the very first thing you do with your hand is, anyone know? You put it in holy water. Because that water is going to, and by the way, I don't even know if I do this right, because you have to hit the correct shoulder first and do it. And if you do it wrong, no points. <laughs> and, and they also have to give the last rites, anointing with oil. I'm going to die. Come anoint me with oil. 
that'll help me. It won't help you. But all kinds of Christians have thought the same about baptism. Some people waiting till right before they die to be baptized. In case I have any extra sins that all the water isn't going to take them away. You're thinking you can manipulate the spiritual realm with the physical realm, and you cannot. You can't pray with your eyes open. Why not? <laughs> God only hears prayers of people who kneel. Not so. New Age products, like crystals. Crystals. People, if you bought a crystal thinking it's going to spiritually help you, you just bought a rock, all right? <laughs> you bought a rock. It will do nothing for you. It may, it may help you. Uh, I don't know how it can help you spiritually, but may, maybe, I don't know. Maybe if you... You know, I don't know what it does for you. But, but here's the better one. I, I like um, forgiveness oil. Um, any of you ever hear of forgiveness oil? I was, just, I was just reading about these essential oils. Okay, so I just read an article today about the oil of forgiveness. Because I heard about it and I had to see it for myself. And they showed that science proves that if you don't forgive people, it's bad for your body. And there's certain neurons fire in your brain when you're forgiving people, and other neurons don't fire, and you're a happier person. So in order to get those neurons to fire, if you buy this oil and put it in the thing and let it blow out all over your house, you will forgive people. Well, the article ends like this. It's beautiful. It says, take a dab of it when you go to sleep at night, put it around your belly button, and say, I forgive everyone who has ever done anything against me. So. You know, the Pharisees aren't, this is, this is normal to mankind, to think you can get luck by doing something. You can't. Lighting a candle, nothing. Rubbing a statue, Nothing. Third, the soul of man is self-defiling. This comes out really loud in this text. <laughs> he says, eating can't defile your heart. Well, what does defile my heart, Jesus? Well, eating doesn't. Well, what does? The answer, like Jesus is always, is radical. It's not what you expect. He says, <laughs> he pretty much says, your heart is already defiled. Your soul, you, me. He says, what comes out of a person is what defiles them from within, out of the heart or the soul. Out of your soul comes evil. Your soul and my soul have a big problem. What is it? Our own soul. As Jesus says, out of the heart come evil thoughts. Have you ever had evil thoughts? Where did they come from? Someone must have put them in there. Nope. Sexual immorality. You ever stolen anything? Theft. Murder, adultery, coveting. <laughs> coveting. Coveting is the sin of sins, by the way. Coveting, coveting is the sin of sins. It really is. Wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All those things that have been in my life come from where? Me. <laughs> that could be hard to believe. You might think, no, I'm the good guy. I'm the good guy in my story. I always know I'm the good guy in my story. Other people are bad. I'm not that bad. Jesus, through the Bible and Jeremiah, explains that too. The heart is deceitful above all things. You think you're the good guy, but you're lying to yourself. 
and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Jeremiah 17. Fourth, the soul of man is responsible for all the wickedness in this life. There's nothing else on earth of which Jesus says all these evil things come from. He never says golden retrievers (laughs) are filled with evil. He never says the clouds spill evil unto you. The trees spill evil. And ladies and some men, don't want to be getting in trouble for saying it, and not all ladies, you got to be very careful, spiders are not the form or the origin of all evil. There's, there's, no, there's no place that evil comes from on the planet except humans. People invent weapons, make weapons. They get together in factories and make weapons. They work as a team to make weapons. And they work as a team to start wars so they can shoot the weapons and kill people. Humans come up with this idea all the time, always have. Abortion is an immeasurable evil. Millions of people work together to pull it off worldwide. That's wicked. Only humans do that. Only humans. You'll never, you'll never come up on, a, on, a, on your kittens, right? And they're getting together and one of them says, well, it's a kitten's choice. <laughs> Drunkenness, drug abuse celebrated by the masses. Porn and prostitution, multi-billion, trillion probably dollar industries. And that's sick. That's sick. It's all from humans. Greed. Because envy really is the sin of sins. Because envy makes you hate people. Envy makes you dehumanize your neighbors. You say, not me. Oh, yes, it does. Do not think that's not you. Everyone has envy in them. And when it comes out, you dehumanize other people. In other words, they're not valuable anymore. How do I know? Watch people fight when dad dies and is not fair in the will. They will hate their brother. Didn't hate him before, but now there's money involved. People will hate their neighbor because they want their stuff. People will lie on contracts. They'll hate, they'll cheat. They'll lie to you in stores. They will sell you essential oils that are supposed to make you forgive people. Because <laughs> they're greedy for what you got. Greed, greed goes back to Cain and Abel. Envy goes back to Cain and Abel. And it's, it's, the, it's the heart of, every, heart of every war. Where does it come from? Robins in the spring. No. Stealing, rape, road rage, I could go on, slander, betrayal, whatever. Humanity is to blame. People today are so foolish because they, I've I've only lived 53 years, but it seems I've never seen a theme so strong as today where people walk around when you bring up God in America, I don't know in other places, they all think God owes them an apology or an explanation. Well, if your God is true, why do people go to hell? And you got a lot of Christians waffling on hell and going for annihilationism, which is almost impossible to prove. But why do you want it? Because you want to apologize for mean old God. People always say, we've got to apologize for our God. He's mean. He's got, he better prove to me why it's okay that people die. Insanity. 
God, who is always good and always righteous, is being demanded that he justify himself to people who are the origin of evil. You, me. The rock band P.O.D. gets it right when they sing. I'd like to sing it the way they do, but I can't. They say, I hate to disappoint you, but this is how I feel. Let me introduce you to myself. Say hello to the bad guy. Unless you think he's bad on himself. Then he says, we're here to make you feel better about yourself. We're here to introduce you to yourself. Say hello to the bad guy. After the flood, God promised, I'm not going to flood the world again. Why? Because people are improved? They learn their lesson? No. Just the opposite. He'd have to always do it. He said, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Genesis 8.21. The reason I'm not sending a flood is sin would reach critical mass for water all the time. In my mercy, I'm going to let the wicked live. Five. Man's number one problem is his own soul. This is an extension of this. (laughs) It's an extension of the idea. Man's number one problem is his own soul. Your number one problem is your own soul. Not things external to yourself. Your number one problem is internal, not external. Again, not the way the world thinks. The world says, oh, it's not your fault. It's not. (laughs) Things outside of you are the problem. No, things inside of you are the problem. No, I'm a victim. External forces at play. I was reading today's news. You want to know men are, all men are evil. And I mean that as men and women, because women don't want to get off on Yeah, you're right. All men are evil. Listen to Led Zeppelin, the soul of a woman's created below. They say all women are evil. I don't know. Let's go with everybody's evil. Just read the news every day, any paper, any town. Read the police blotter. Well, anyway, I popped open Penn Live. I wanted to see what was going on in Pennsylvania today. Here's a good one. In Philadelphia, a man was convicted of selling two women who he kept with his wife as sex slaves and sold them so they could be set on fire was sentenced to 30 years, but he was going before the judge to plead for mercy because, quote, he's a people pleaser with mental health issues. Not my fault. I I just happen to be a people pleaser. It pleased these men that I gave them my sex slave for money. I don't know. How does that argument even work? It is true that those outside of you can hurt you. It is true that you can be done damage by other peoples because sin is in them, peoples, other people. But your biggest problem is within. My biggest problem is within. The way I act and react, the way I initiate evil, and the way I respond to evil and good. You see, the biggest problem you have as a human is by nature your soul is at war with God. And your heart deceives you and says, no, it isn't. It is. You're selfish, prideful, angry, self-centered, self-pitying, self-justifying, self-exalting. You are. So am I. Where's all that come from? Did, or did we... Society conditioned you to be like that. No, it didn't. You're like that. <laughs> Society conditioned you to be like that is the worst argument for almost anything. Society conditioned us to believe that marriage should be between a man and a woman. Every society in every place at every time all got together. How did that work out? 
It's in the machine to build a family. That's a whole other issue. The point I'm getting at, though, is you can't blame society for your wickedness. It's in you. And because of that, your internal unholiness, your internal uncleanness, mine too. I'm not just pointing the finger at you, but I am. Don't judge me. I'm judging you, but I'm judging me too. That is an existential threat. Because Jesus said, I can gain the whole world while wicked inside, but I can lose my soul. A dirty soul. Therefore, Psalm 1, the wicked will not stand. Well, I'm in trouble then in the judgment. Six, finally, man is helpless in cleansing his own soul. Okay, I got a problem, but I can't fix it. A leopard cannot change his spots. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to clean myself up. Don't you realize you can't, <laughs> you can't clean up a wicked heart? That's like teaching a badger not to be a badger. Right? It's like... It's like teaching a, a rattlesnake not to rattle and bite threats. It's like, it's like teaching, it's like, like they used to say, a, le- you can't, a leopard can't change his spots. Can sewage clean itself? Maybe that's a better look. You ever have any sewage that washed itself up? Can evil be made good? No. We can't save ourselves. And we can't save others. As the Bible says, Psalm 49, no man can by any means redeem his brother or give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of his soul is costly and he should cease trying forever. (laughs) You, You can't save yourself and no one can save you. I'll get my mom to do it. She can't do it. You're saying my mom's a wicked sinner? Absolutely I am. Fortunately, God is the friend of helpless mankind. That's what we call the gospel. Look in Ezekiel. Way back in Ezekiel, the Old Testament, there is God saying his opinion. As I live, declares the Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. I don't enjoy people going into punishment and hell but rather that the wicked would turn from his ways way and live. Turn back, turn back from your evil ways. Why then will you die, O house of Israel? And you, son of man, say to your fellow citizens, the righteousness of a righteous man will not deliver him in the day of his transgression. Well, I was good too. That won't get you anywhere. God doesn't Enjoy wicked people dying. And someone said, well, that doesn't fit with my theology. I don't care. (laughs) If you've worked hard on theology, you, you need to come to a conclusion that you can never have it all wrapped up on this side of heaven. Here he says again, same, same author, Ezekiel. God says through him, for I have no pleasure in the death of anyone who dies, declares the Lord. Therefore, repent and live. Then why did you let my so-and-so die? Oh, oh, does he have to justify himself to you? But instead he says, therefore, repent and live. 
All this talk about man being evil, by the way, is also opposed by our world. (laughs) This world, here's the way the world thinks. That we're going to psychoanalyze shame out of the picture. You know what shame is? Shame is the confidence you have deep in your heart that you're guilty. Shame is what makes you hide your sins. Shame is what makes you cry at night over guilt that you can't let yourself off the hook of. And you call it not loving yourself or not forgiving yourself or some psychobabble. It's not. It's shame. Because you know you're wicked. The world says shame is a societal you know, invention by the church to try to keep a brother down. <laughs> the, the world gets rid of shame by making shame off limits. The world gets rid of shame by making nothing shameful. If nothing's shameful, you don't got to be ashamed of nothing. Don't judge me. That's, that's what everybody, don't judge me. <laughs> well, God offers a better way out. And it's the word repent. And this is only step one. This is a two-step dance. The step one is repent. (laughs) Why is repent the way out? Because what repent means, it it means you stop and you agree your heart is wicked. And that's shameful. It's really hard to confess your sin to somebody. Why? Because you're ashamed of yourself. It's really hard. Parents, if you never say to your kids ever in, in a solemn and important moment, will you forgive daddy? Will you forgive mommy? Will you forgive me? And try it. It's hard, especially when you're guilty. It's hard because you're ashamed. But don't, you see, the way God gets us out of shame is not to take it all away just instantly. He says, acknowledge the sin. This is going to (laughs) hurt. This is going to hurt. This is the part where you say, I killed. I lied. I stole. I am wicked. He says, good, good. That's called repentance. Repentance, another way of looking at it, is, a, is, is to start a revolution against yourself. Because up till now, you've been at war with God. Whether you know it or not, you have. You're God. If people harm you, are they good or bad? If people harm you, are they good or bad? Bad. If people are good to you, are they good or bad? Good. And you hear people talk, that guy's a jerk. He did this to me. Well, I think he's all right. He's always treated me fairly. What are you saying? You're saying good and bad are how I'm treated, which makes me who? God. Now you're going to start a revolution against yourself when you repent. No, no, no. Heart, you're, you're done telling me who God is. It ain't me, and I should be ashamed of myself. Go to a counselor, they'll say, you go to a church, they tell you to be ashamed of yourself. Only at appropriate times. (laughs) Shame is always bad. Well, sin is always bad. As C.S. Lewis says about society, you laugh at honor and are surprised to find scoundrels in your midst. But repentance alone won't save me or you. Because the leopard can't change his spots, Remember? I can't fix my wicked heart. Actual forgiveness becomes from the actual removal of the stain on my soul by the actual work of an actual God. To put it as plain as possible, the Apostle Peter says, for Christ also died for sins. 
sins once for all. He didn't die as an example of suffering, although he was a good one. He died as an offering for sins. Oh, how archaic some stupid so-called Christians are saying. This is uh, making the atonement into cosmic child abuse. Who punishes one child for the sin of another? Answer, God. Without shame, I say that. Christ died for sins. How many times? Once. For who? All. Well, all messes with my theology. You have to qualify all. I don't care about your theology. He died for sins once for all. The just for the unjust. I'm unjust, you're unjust, he's just, that's the exchange. So that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. That last part, the one who's put to death in the flesh, is you, not him. You're like, well, I didn't die. I know, he did it for you. The way he deals with your wicked heart is not to clean you up and have you turn over a new leaf. He kills you in the spiritual realm. And he gives you spiritual life. That's why Jesus said, Unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus was also very patriarchal with his language. He met you two ladies. We've seen in Mark that the Son of God has power over devils, no matter how many are in someone. (laughs) We've seen he has power over nature and can stop wind and waves and walk on water and multiply bread and fish. We've seen that the Son of God has power over any sickness. And we've seen through Jairus' daughter, that he has the power to raise the dead. But you didn't live 2,000 years ago. You cannot reach out and touch the hem of his garment. Do you get no power? No. He did those things so that you could know you can touch him more now and get more power. Because the Son of God has the power, by virtue of his blood, to forgive your sins and to kill your wicked heart and to give you new life. And if you're a Christian... You may not have understood that till now, but it happened anyway. And if you're not a Christian, step one is repentance. Admit the shame. If you're not willing to join the I'm a sinner club, you can't take the the most important step, receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior. Receiving the new life. But he can heal you today. Colossians 1.13 says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Well, I didn't feel a transfer. Well, you had one. It's in the spiritual realm, not in the physical. Now, some would say, well, it says if he died once for all, I don't have to receive him. I'll just be saved. No. He says clearly you have to believe in him. You have to receive him and those who don't go to hell. He said, well, you're messing with my theology. Well, I don't care about your theology either. But God, being rich in mercy. Why is God rich in mercy? Because of the great love with which he loved us. He said we're wicked and at war with him. Yeah, and he loved us anyway. Yeah, isn't he awesome? He loves his enemies. He dies for his enemies. Would you die for your political enemies? Would you like to blast on Facebook? Show how tough you are. 
Would you die for them? Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. So wait, spiritually I died with him? Spiritually I raised with him. By grace you've been saved. You didn't do it. Do you realize since it's by grace, it means you can get off this hamster wheel trying to do good enough to please God. You don't have to do that anymore. Because you can't be. You're just spinning your sewage on a hamster wheel of religion. (laughs) Next time you see someone who wants to get to heaven through either Christian or other religion, but not through the grace of receiving it from Christ, just say, you're a big spinning piece of sewage on a hamster wheel. They will love you for that. They'll be like, what the heck? You must be with that harvest cult. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. I haven't been there yet. Spiritually, I am. I will be. But look at this. In Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. What is your future? I don't know on earth what your future is. But I know what your future is in heaven with God on the new earth. (laughs) Immeasurable riches. means I can't measure them. He's going to show them to you for ages. Wait, I get more tomorrow than I had today? Yep. For if we have been united with him in death, in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For, no one who has, for the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe we will also live with Christ. This is the gospel, brothers and sisters. Is it not good news? Okay, brothers and sisters, for those of you who are Christians who have been carrying shame and guilt for stuff that you know you're forgiven of, it's time to lay it open. It's time to lay it open. To say, Jesus, <laughs> I did it. Now I see. There's no cleaning it up. There's no saying, well, I was young and I was stupid or it happened so fast. I am the bad guy. But oh, thank you, Jesus, for your blood. I've turned my back on that way. And now, oh, you've come and given me your life. If you don't know Christ, it's the exact same move. You just give him your whole life. Not that thing that nagged you. You give him everything. It's the exact same move. Quit justifying yourself and become a Jesus freak. (laughs) Come on in, the water's fine. (laughs) it's time to not be ashamed of the J word. And then I receive God in my life. Whenever I hear someone say, I receive God in my life, I'm like, you're still ashamed of the J word. Say the J word. It's time to come. Time to get forgiveness of sins. It's time to be set free. It's time to have your old nature laid on a cross with, with Christ and your old wicked heart. No longer your problem. Because you're going to receive the life of Jesus in you clean and clean forever. Never to lose it. Never to lose it. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Harvest Community Church. We invite you to join us at any one of our four campuses located in Catanning, Petrolia Valley, Indiana, and Freeport. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org.